Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Fly ball to left field off the bat of Josh Crouch. Ali, chest up against the wall. He is out of room, and that ball is gone for Crouch. Right. Welcome into another episode of the Tiger Lightning Report. Week 21 recap here at TigerZemmelReport.com. I'm Rogelio Castillo. Alongside me is Jerry and our special guest tonight, David Rosenberg from Bless You Boys. And he's going to be sitting there talking. He's going to be talking to us about what he saw in Jupiter. And he's going to help us do the minor league recap this evening. Um, before I go on, uh, first and foremost, um, just kind of making a formal announcement that uh, Chris Brown, for the time being, taking leave of absence um i'm not really getting into why or anything but it's just kind of take a step back focus on a couple things so for now jerry will be helping me out and yeah so the minor leagues essentially myself and jerry and whoever else but uh chris is fine he's just taking a step back a little bit and so uh but yeah i'll be going to erie one more time for the playoffs but uh yeah it's just gonna be in terms of clips and everything that's gonna that's a little bit rough sliding right now. I just still figure that part out because Chris did a lion's share of it. So, but yeah, Chris is fine. He'll be back soon enough. But I think he's gonna, I think he's gonna be shut down for the rest of the year. So, so yeah, Jerry, we're gonna miss Chris. Mm-hmm. It's those DMs, yeah. It's like it's he's he's logged off everything, so he's not even around that. But uh, <sighs> but a lot to get to today. So Justin Aaron Malloy hit another home run. Uh, there is a lot in terms of even what's going on. The the Tigers taking sweeping the what the really the White Sox quite frankly look like they don't care anymore. They're just done, and so that's we'll talk about that a little bit. We'll talk about the Sea Wolves and the Paul Skeens experience from Friday night. Because by the way, gentlemen, there are so many uh, I want to say early twenty guys hanging out like bros, just like standing there like. Just talking about them. it was really weird. It was a really weird crowd for Friday night for Paul Skeens, and he did deliver though. I mean, he did look pretty good. We'll talk about that a little bit, and also the Whitecaps and Lansing, and it's always a score fest. Runs are always a galore for those two teams. I'm not sure why, but David, let's start with you in Jupiter. You were down there to get the 2023 draft class, and you were able to see quite a bit of. Excitement there in, in terms of some of the prospects on Max Clark, the name, you know, in some of the him cleaning up the bench and some weird people trolling him <laughs> on Twitter. That was that was an interesting yeah. exchange. But what were your impressions on what you saw down in Jupiter this weekend? Uh, well, I guess I'll start with Max Clark because I think that's what 
most people want to hear about. He's, you know, number three overall and first round pick. And he's, he's, he's like the God of high school baseball coming to the pros now. So um, he's, he's going through an adjustment period. You know, he's, he's batting below 200 right now in Lakeland and it's, he's frustrated, you know, I mean, there's hard hit balls that, that fine gloves, that stuff's going to happen. Uh, his strikeouts are, are not bad. He knows how to get uh, down O2 and kind of work back to a full count and stuff like that. And then, and then maybe he'll end, but they're quality at bats and stuff like that. So I think I saw two strikeouts the entire week uh, that looked kind of funky, maybe a check swing that he didn't mean to go on and stuff like that. But I think some of that frustration was mounting because uh, there's chatter with a guy like him because, you know, I think everything he does has gone viral uh, since he's been in high school, and that's just going to continue. So like you said, the the dugout moment, I, I captured that because I was impressed. It was He was clearly frustrated all night, and, and he'd been frustrated throughout the week, yet he still cleaned up the dugout every day. And that's something you hear high school coaches, you know, kind of tell kids all the time. It's it's a intangible thing, right? Um yeah, we got some trolls and stuff, but that's the kind of thing that just tells me like this kid's going to be okay. I asked him if he does it every day. He said, yes, I checked on that. It's true. He's not just lying for the, for the clip or anything like that, but uh, you know, he, he's a good kid. He's working hard right now. Uh, you'd like to see him hit the ball a little bit more, but when he does hit the ball, he's hitting it hard. He's just an 18 year old figuring things out right now. Um, other guys that I saw probably the most impressive bat of the entire week for me down uh, in Jupiter was Kevin McGonigal, the uh, the first round competitive balance pick. He, uh, I mean, he looks, he doesn't look like, I think he's 19 now, but he doesn't look like a 19 year old. You know, he's, he's pretty professional with the stick. He, uh, he takes it to all fields. He showed some good power. He hit a couple of foul ball home runs, I think. Uh, and then he came up just short of the, the wall. So he's looking really good. And I think that him and him, and once Max picks up, you know, those two, are going to be kind of a dynamic duo for uh, Detroit, you know, moving up the organization, hopefully. Yeah. And David, one of the things about McGonagall that really stands out to me is the fact that he doesn't strike out a lot. I mean, this week, no. three, three walks to one strikeout. And in terms of just getting in terms of how he works the count, I mean, does he have had pretty long counts? I mean, does he work the count? Does he follow off a lot of pitches? How does he look in the batter's box in terms of his count? Well, he's definitely confident, you know, I mean, he's, he's the guy that, that comes back into the dugout and, and says, let's hit, you know what I mean? He wants to hit, he wants to be in, in that box and he's not really uh, afraid of things. You know, it's kind of, I think it's, it's a little bit of the opposite of what you see with Clark, right? Like everything's going wrong a little bit there. So he's, he's trying to tweak things and everything's going right for McGonagall right now. So I think he's swinging free. There's no stress on his shoulders. He had a day off today. So, you know, he was just in the dugout hanging out, but it, he's i mean I, he's very comfortable and yeah he, he's able to fight things off he's got he's got a good eye and he's able to make contact you know on, on pitches that might be those borderline ones right the ones on the fringe that an mlb umpire could, can still get wrong you know yeah that's uh, there was a big thing about like he in terms of even baseball america was talking about after the podcast other podcast that he was somebody that would have gone higher just was one of the bats that surprised like just in terms of how hyped up they were about him, the Tigers got a steal, and it's definitely paying off here. And, of course, you have Max Anderson, who's been doing well since he got there. But the other bat I wanted to ask you about was the reason Clayton Campbell. Now, Clayton Campbell interests me in a sense because he's only 19, I believe. 
Um, he's still adjusting to being from New Zealand. He's originally from Australia, played in, or excuse me, he's from New Zealand, played mm-hmm. Australia. So he's already gotten some professional experience behind him. But as far as him and his defense, how do you look out there? Uh, I, I'll be honest. He, he's not someone that I, I took that much note of this week. You know, I was, I was looking at other guys. Right. Um, but I, I, I'll just kind of transition real quick because I, I do have someone else. Uh, Brett Callahan was, was a guy that actually impressed me. He had like a four RBI day. I think he's really coming along. Uh, I don't, I forget which round he was picked in, but, uh, that's kind of the, the next, uh, bat that I wanted to talk about just because I, I like him. I just don't exactly know. You were talking about defense. I don't exactly know where he, he ends up because he's got a, he's got an, a strong arm and he's an aware player, right? He, he made, it's a little thing, but I, I saw him out in right field. Uh, he was kind of bouncing around the, the, you know, left field, center field and all that. But um, he, he, he made a very aware play in right field and he just caught the ball past the, past the foul line. And then he just quickly shot it over to third base and held the runner at second. Right. And that's, that's the kind of thing that you're looking for uh, at this level of ball where they're, they're kind of paying attention. Uh, I, I didn't get the scouting report on Campbell, so I'm sorry to fail you there, but uh, yeah, okay. it's. That, that's more me of having a personal preference on it. And, and Callahan, Represents again. I think the Tigers have done a really good job of scouting the Northeast. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was he was out of St. Joseph's. The, we look at guys like Jason Foley. Uh, there's even I was trying to think of there's another. Um, I'm drawing a blank now. All of a sudden, I had all these names in my head. Oh, um, Brennan White, Upper State New York. This Sienna was another example of that. But we haven't seen that yet. Transition over to the positional side of things. But it, that's yeah. I was just looking at his numbers for the week. Yeah, he had a really good week, and, and good to see a 13th round draft pick like that just got off to a good start. Outside of the the you know you got the packs of the world, you have like David Smith too. David Smith seemed like he's what about what you what was your impressions with David Smith? Uh, I liked him. I liked him at the plate. I thought I thought he was good. I thought he battled. I don't exa- I don't have his line here, but um, uh, you know oh, I, I just thought he had a, I thought he had a good. Yeah, what is it? Uh, four for he went four for eleven. Four for eleven. Yeah, I mean that's about what I expect. You know, he he fought, he battled. I think he was usually uh, a little down in the lineup, right? Because you have kind of that set top four or five that they're going with. Um, but I, I thought the bottom of that lineup ended ended up, uh, you know, doing enough damage. Guys like Bennett Lee, you know, I you know they you know Callahan's down there too. Campbell's in there. Uh, that bottom th- third, I think, did some damage throughout. Uh, they got the rallies going. And a lot of time it would lead to the, you know, Clark's McGonagall's, the guys that are uh, Anderson's, the guys that are all, all the way up there. Yeah, especially this is a team that's fighting for a playoff spot right now. And mm-hmm. they, Brinton didn't help them at all because they won five in a row and they're still on pace with Lakeland. But as far as, let's go to the pitchers for a moment too. Was there anybody that stood out to you pitching wise? Because this, is, again, Lakeland doesn't really have, I guess, you can, they have some intriguing arms. I saw, I saw that Chris Williams. Closed out the game the other night. Yeah. And he was a guy who was originally going to be uh, starting, but now it seems like he's pitching exclusively out of the bullpen. But was was there any uh, uh, any arms that really kind of stood out to you at all? Um, I, I The best arm, no doubt, was uh, Joe Adamets. He, he, he got a start. I think he went five innings, and he only threw like 40 pitches or so or something like that. I mean, he was – he was pitching a contact and it was effective contact. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't, oh, hard hit balls to the outfield that just happened to find a glove or anything like that. You know, he was just getting ground balls. He was making guys swing and 
putting it on the ground and things like that. So I really liked what he had to offer. I don't even know if he ended up how many he ended up striking out, but it was a lot of contact and it was good contact. So, um, and then Jaden Ham today was impressive too. I saw some people uh, on social media didn't like his line because he he gave up an unearned run and and two hits. And I was like, well, what's wrong with that man? Like that's I think he's only pitched about nine innings, and those were the first couple of hits that he's given up. Uh, you know. The, the whole time he's been a pro. So he, he's doing pretty well. His breaking ball looked uh, pretty good today. Um, I got to get behind the plate for a couple of photos uh, of him. And I was just staring through the lens and forgot to take a few pictures because I was like, that <laughs> thing, that thing is pretty nice. So, uh, you know, hopefully he can um, pick it up out of the bullpen. Uh, you know, Williams is is probably the only pen arm that, uh, that I saw because uh, there was, I think there was a decent performance, a couple good pitchers, but I, I wasn't there for all of uh, the doubleheader because I had some other commitments, so I didn't actually get to see them in person, so I can't comment. Okay, no, that's no problem, and and because we're one of the pitchers we're trying to look at too, that come of Yulisper Sanchez comes to mind. I'm saying probably his first name incorrectly, and I mean another guy I've been watching here and there has been Carl, Carlos Mercado and um, Ricardo Ibera. Because the in terms of some of the international guys, they have quite a few in there that haven't really, I guess, jumped up as of yet. But then Tanner Coleheap had a rough week too. That's a guy who yeah. there's a lot of expectations to him. It just seemed like he wasn't, he still hasn't lived up to that yet. Yeah, he threw today, and it, I mean, it didn't go great, you know. So they they, they pulled him uh, pretty quickly, you know. I think. I was trying to get down there for some pictures. And by the time I, I took the elevator down, they, he was already out. So it was not the best day, um, not the best week. But, you know, hopefully I'll be able to pick it up. Ibarra, I thought he looked good at the beginning. You know, I started taking notes. And then, uh, you know, his line isn't too bad. I think he only ended up giving up two two earned runs at the end of the day. But um, a lot of these Lakeland guys are, you know, they they, they have it at the beginning. And then something, one at bat will change everything. And then they can't find the zone. They start walking guys. Uh, you know, they get into situations that you just don't want to be in. And Jerry, let me get to you about some of the advanced ball data in terms of Lakeland. Uh, is there any heroes that stand out to you? Because Jerry, our data wizard, always has a, the ability to pull up some numbers. Was there anybody that, um, even from from a batter standpoint, stood out? Um, You know, I... I... Not that, that you guys haven't already mentioned, you know, you, okay. you guys pretty much hit on most of the guys I was going to going to point out just with some of the data, but it's, it's kind of the usual suspects, you know? Um, yeah. <laughs> no, and even it's, again, one of the names that's comes up to Christian Santana, he had a good a couple of weeks ago, he was on fire and seems like he's coming back down to earth. And David is, is, a, is a, it seems like his bats are just been rough. Yeah, today was not good. Today was was four Ks, and he was thankful that he didn't get five. Uh, you know, he he was. I, I don't think he agreed with the zone necessarily. Um, you know, that's that that'll happen. Um, but yeah, he's just he's in a funk. He didn't look he didn't look good today. You know, that that's it. He, I think he also made an error uh, today at at third. Um, so it's just like you said, ups and downs, and and you know, hopefully he can get out of that. But yeah, he's not a he's. He's he's not seeing it well. Yeah. Um, one, one guy one guy uh, that I did want to mention is uh, Quincy Neport, who started his rehab assignment down there. Yeah. Uh, he he came out and immediately uh, got like a sack fly. 
for an RBI and, you know, walked back into the dugout and shouted like he never left. So he's feeling good. Uh, you know, he's pretty, he's pretty excited. Um, I saw him kind of talk to Max, uh, you know, Max Clark and some of the other just young guys, you know, he, he seems to be very willing to take on that veteran role that might be needed in a place like Lakeland, where you have guys coming up from the FCL, you know, a lot of 18, 19, 20, 21 year olds, uh, you know, just, just getting maybe someone who's been with the organization a little bit more, you know? Yeah. And he's, he's a, he's an org guy in the sense that he is ultimately last year was so clutch for Erie last year, last month of the season for them to get to the postseason. And he, there was some moments too last year against Richmond where he showed that kind of like raw, raw guy he is. And, and a lot of people miss him in the, in the clubhouse. And for those who don't know, he was out because of Tommy John surgery. Yeah. Which is, is at first we were like kind of do a little, your head a little bit, but uh, no, he's, he's going to be so clutch for the year down the stretch here in the playoffs. Hopefully he can come back before then. But uh, yeah, let's uh, let's go to Toledo and the the Mudhens, who were the last team to play today. They played a six o'clock game, which is still to me a little weird for a Sunday for some of the minor league games. But Justin Hammerloy, four games, four straight games of the home run. He has now seven walks, eight strikeouts. The thing I was just talking about this beforehand with you guys. Uh, I was talking, or excuse me, David. I was talking or I was talking, Jerry, I was talking to David about this, is that Scott Harris is sitting there going, oh, he needs more time in the outfield, but he played third today. So I'm not sure. But in terms of bad ball data, Jerry, what do you got on and Justin Herman Malloy? Is he continuing to push the envelope on getting that call up? I mean, he has to be, right? I, it's It seems like he's hitting more like he did early in the season again. You know, like, that guy that was on fire getting on base at a 450 clip. I, I, I just don't understand why he's still down there. He needs to get – he deserves to have his opportunity to get called up there. Yeah, just as much as – go ahead, I'm sorry. No, you're you're okay. Go for it. No, I was just going to say, like Andre Lipsius, who, by the way, got the call up, and he got the call up for the White series against the White Sox. Uh, Winslow Perez, I think – I'm not sure if he's out injured. I'm not really sure what the issue was, but he has been seen – I think he hasn't – played recently so i was kind of i was kind of concerned about that because i thought he would because he was on the four man get the call up too and he ended up not doing that and so right now i think there's one spot open on the 40 man right now so we'll see what happens but if boy it was interesting to see him play third because what harris mentioned in the press conference was is that he wanted to see him more at more time and left and right field and david made, made the joke earlier about position versatility and that's what harris is all about that is all he's about. And I don't know about you guys, but I was going to ask you guys both this. David, do you want a team of utility players or you want dedicated positions? It's, you know, it's a good question because I that was a question I was, I was starting to think about in, in Lakeland, uh, in Jupiter, in watching Lakeland play because there's a lot of uh, guys that could fit, you know, here, there, and where, but they don't have, you know, Max Clark's a center fielder, but, you know, is are, are all those shortstops going to be shortstops? No. I think you have that problem kind of through an organization. And, and no, you don't want, you know, one Don Kelly's nice, but having having a team full of them is what the Tigers are kind of, you know, throwing out there right now anyways. So it's like if the team's going to get if a team's going to get better, I, I don't think having a surplus of utility guys is the right move. 
What about you, Jerry? I mean, in terms of what you've been seeing uh, just overall. Yeah, I, I mean, I totally agree with that. There's only a finite number of players you can have on this roster anyway. So there's only so many different combinations you can make. Why do you need all of them playing all these different positions? And that's the thing, too, that I really – I look at right now, even on the major league side of things, the the idea of having – I think Lipsius up there was to give some perhaps some relief at first base, see what they have at third, because he can play all over the infield. But he, I think that's what he was supposed to be versus what they're mm-hmm. doing with Justin Henry Malloy right now, which is, I think, in, in Cole Heap, who also sold some time for a second this week. And, I, I mean – from my understanding, too, from what we heard, and the, this is something we heard from, this is when I was down in Erie talking to some folks, and Alan Trammell said it, Keith needs more time at third. And if Alan Trammell, a Hall of Famer, seeing that, I'm bound to think that you want to listen to that. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, another good week. Uh, in terms of bats, why Cole Keith, 440, 500, and 680 for the week. He, again, just walk, walks three, he walks four strikeouts. The rest of the offense, I mean, Tyler Nevin, before he got called up, he was doing fine, but the rest of the offense was kind of eh. Dingler did have a home run this week, but he, he went four for, I'm sorry, three for 16 on the week. So, and then on the pitching side of things, Toledo's been a mess. And I, I, I wish I could say a little more things about Toledo and say nicer things about Toledo, but uh, I can say Kyder Montero. Looked pretty solid today. I mean, he's looked better. He was looking better. The week he allowed uh, six earned runs over ten innings and struck out ten. The walk just still have an issue for him. And as far as like in terms of prospect side of things, Lyle Lockhart, who got the call up Friday night from Erie, did pitch pitch pretty well. Five innings, six hit or five yeah five innings, six hits, two runs, and struck out five and a spot start. So I thought he held his own because Spencer Turbo had a cracked toenail and uh yeah that that whole thing is i don't guys i don't see him pitching in a tiger's uniform anymore or ever again just buying time right like yeah the the toe cracked it was when i when it was announced i was like oh come on really maybe because you know he got mad that miguel diaz got the call up over him i don't know but either way yeah (laughs) <laughs> yeah i know it's definitely time to part ways yeah just, just yeah let him go his way we go our way be done with it have the drama you, out of there you'd feel like both parties would kind of come to the same conclusion and just get it over with but i mean mm-hmm. hey maybe 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 a cracked toenail hurts really really bad i, I don't know <laughs> yeah um that definitely would yeah there definitely would there's i know with a fingernail it hurts yeah uh, if a toenail i mean depending on I'm just kind of wondering, like, how big do you step it? Like, if when you're step, I don't know. I'm, I'm not gonna pretend to be a doctor here and know, but it's, right, yeah. It's, I've never had. I've had like cracked fingernails. I've jammed my fingers playing basketball and football when I made a catch. That stuff hurts. We're not gonna be, you know, we're not gonna try to doctor or try to doctor this out. But uh, other than that, in terms of pitching, same thing. Excuse me. I wish I had more to say, but. The Mudhead's pitching rotation has been, it is what it is. A hodgepodge of just throwing things and seeing it six to the wall. So, um, let's get to Erie. And the Seawolves this week split a series with Altoona. 
I'm sorry. Well, no, no, no. Yeah, they did they split the series with uh, these Altoona Curve. Like I mentioned, I was talking about this. I was there Friday. So I was going to stick around Saturday, but I had to get back. And I was there for these the whole Paul Skeens experience. And I was mentioning this earlier, 97-98 on the fastball, really good changeup. He looks like he should be pretty close to getting that uh, starting, maybe even starting as soon as next year, making the ball club. By the way, Erie took four uh, took four games against Altoona, and they continue to stay in first place as they travel to Somerset next week. But the one thing about Friday's game against Paul Skeens was he made quick work of Erie, and the only hard hit contact he allowed was Cole Keith, or sorry, not Cole Keith, but uh, Jace Young's single up the middle. Everything else, he broke two bats, and everything was just, people were just late, 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 and couldn't pick up on him at all. And I had a radar gun on him, on me, and some of the spin rate was pretty good. He had a, one point he had a 3,000 spin rate on a, on what, it was, some, one of the, it was a slide or something he threw that didn't hit for a strike, but guys, he, he's a real deal. He really is. Yeah. He's good at advertised. Mean, yeah. Yeah, I, I I write for a, a Gators site, so we ha- I had you know I was uh, we were planning for him in case he came out in the uh, College World Series, and you know I watched plenty of tape on Skeens, and I I had a feeling that this was going to be the case. I think your estimate of next year is is reasonable. I, I I do think Pittsburgh fans have something to be excited about, and I don't know if he knows it yet. <laughs> yeah, he mentioned that during the press conference that he was talking with us. He he really thinks he's not too far away and that um, that fans should be excited for it. And just, I, I, I think one of those things too, where it's like, I always tell people pump the brakes about calling somebody up, calling somebody up or whatever. But when you see something that like stands out right out of college like that, you, what else is there to say? I mean, what level, why does he need to stick around for AAA in Indianapolis for a year? I mean, it doesn't make any sense. Unless you're doing service time manipulation, which I don't see right. the case being, you know, so get him out there. Yeah, no, it's uh, there's no reason for him to stick around that long. Honestly, there's, and this week they're promoting the Dylan Cruz matchup too. Some of, I, from what I heard too, some of the fan or some of the fans, some of the players are upset the way it was marketed between Paul Skeens and Dace Young, like the rest of the t- players. And I was like, guys, come on. They, I, I mean that's like that's like the lake the Lakeland guys getting upset that every every camera's on Max Clark all the time. I mean they they know what the deal is, you know. There's there's certain people who are just gonna draw that attention. It'll be marketed that way. That's that's marketing. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah, there's but yeah, and there's same old by the way in our chat it was like, will the pirates ever get it right? I hope they do. In some ways I hope they do because Pittsburgh Pirate fans are really they're out, they're really loyal. And the fact they've been sitting through all this uh Cheapness, I guess, what I want to say, maybe, or lack of consistent play over the years. I mean, they deserve. They, they made a postseason at least recently. I, I think it was a 2015, 2016. I can't remember, but still, they haven't really been able to be effective at all. Uh, Justice Bigby, ten for twenty this week. Looks like he might be the player of the week. Another big week for him. Does not again. One of the things about Justice Bigby is when you look at him, he's not. It doesn't look like a big imposing player, but it just puts the when he puts contact on there, it's always hard hit contact. Looking at, you know, sometimes we get some access data. Jerry's well seen. Some of the stuff we get from from him, 
And it, Altuna couldn't figure it out. Could not figure him out. And he had the day off today. But, guys, I, if, this is, I think, the fourth time I've seen him in person. No, oh, I'm sorry. Fifth time I've seen him in person. He's the straw, the straw of the drink. Everybody wants him to go to Toledo. Why? Why go to Toledo when Erie wants you in the postseason? So, oh. Uh, there, then we go through to Ben Malgeri, who had a pretty good week, too. Batted 412. It's young. Uh, impressive numbers this week. Three, he had three doubles. He went nine for 25. And, again, making just really good hard contact. The, he had two doubles today. One, both of them were... When he just beat, barely beat out, but the other one really showed a really good step, first step out of the box. And then Danny Soretti hit his first Grand Slam, which was the first Grand Slam this season that Erie has... First Grand Slam hit by Erie this season was t- today. Danny Soretti's first home run for double a and beyond that uh in terms of bats uh Corey Joyce doing a good job of filling in for uh Andrew Navigato who's out for the year with that shoulder shoulder issue I don't know if you guys saw that play or not but um that was an ugly play it was the runner from who no it was Akron ran right into him and he had the right away and applied it and he had a, his shoulder, his, basically his shoulder bone is popping out of his shoulder as he had a grade four separation. So, yeah, it was, it was brutal, brutal, absolutely brutal. And on the pitching side of things, so one of the things about, I don't know if you guys, do you have any thoughts about the hitters before we move to pitching? Um. No, I was just going to make note I, I, about uh, Justice Bigby. I, I saw a couple of things on him out on Twitter. I think Lynn Henning had made the comment that he wanted to see him not send the ball the opposite way anymore. And I was kind of looking and I was surprised to see that his pull rate is also climbing from Lake, uh, West Michigan. I thought that was pretty interesting. Um but that was that was basically all I was going to hit on, really. David, you made the same face I did. Why is it having a problem with going opposite field? I thought you would want to go that. I'm if he if he's doing a good job, it's it doesn't seem like he's being overpowered. I mean, how many home runs have gone the opposite way? It's not an issue necessarily to me. I mean, I don't get it, right? Yeah, I mean, Lynn, yeah, but then again, Lynn Henning, it's a member. This is the same guy who wrote Cody Clemens. That Cody Clemens is going to be a major league player, so we can't all be right. <laughs> um, but as far as pitching goes, Matt, uh, Ty Madden had a pretty good week. Another second consecutive start where he's looked pretty getting the strikeouts numbers back. Five innings, three hits, two walks, eight strikeouts. Uh, I did see. I was for Tyler Madison's. Uh, he was the one that opened. He was a Friday opener. Got had a couple hit hard balls, but other than that, I was fine. In terms of pitching this week, too, it, it, Erie's kind of going with the veteran rotation a little bit with uh, with Brian Sammons in there and Tim Naughton for the postseason run. As they're pretty much Orma Flores on the good news is going to be on the men. He started a rehab assignment in West Michigan, so he should be in the area in the next week or two, which is clutch for them as they seem like they've been shorthanded pitching wise. Colin uh, or Connor Holden, who's been called all the way up from Lakeland 
was made still the progression, made his double A debut. Did not look eighty. I think it was like eighty nine, ninety tops. Um, really didn't fool any bats. Just didn't have a lot of movement on his pitches. And I saw him p- pitch. You know, um, Andrew Mango has continued to walk in terms of walk, like reducing his walks. Has been pitching better as of late, so he's been used as kind of like the closer for Erie. And it was one of when I asked Gabe Alvarez about that, he said because he has the potential to do that because that's the kind of the two curveballs he throws with that fastball has a kind of a life to it. So, um, but then yeah, other than that, it was just uh, pretty much a brand, another Brant Hitler. Good start. I mean, he didn't go five innings, but another strong start, four innings, three hits, and three strikeouts. As the Seawolves are trying to go wire to wire here, and it looks at the standings right now, heading to the series against Somerset on the road. They are just a game up on Richmond, and Richmond goes takes takes on Akron at home. So that should be, I mean, Erie's in the postseason regardless. Somerset's also, they don't have to, you know, Jason Dominguez is gone. So they'll be interesting to see how they handle here in the next couple of weeks, as they also. I'm trying to think. There was who was the other pro, um It was the Austin. It was the Austin uh, Wells. I got called up mm-hmm. to the catcher. Mm-hmm. Okay, couldn't remember. Yeah. So Flores, yeah, Flores got rocked. We'll talk about West Michigan here in a second. Yeah, there's there's potential. I think watching him pitch this year when he struggled, I see that. He's more of a back end starter than, or potentially even a reliever. But it really depends. I know he wants to start. You mentioned that in spring training, but uh, it really depends if he gets the secondaries down. I'm not sure how, if he got rocked on his changeup or his curveball. I didn't get a chance to watch it today, but um, yeah, it's he he's more of a back end rotation. Uh, do you guys want to talk about anybody in Erie before pitching wise before we got here? No, I was just gonna know. I I'm really interested in Mango I, or Magno. Sorry, I I really want to see what Fetter and crew can do with him. Some of the spin rates he has are just just off the chart, and I think he could potentially be a pretty good reliever. I think so too. I think he again the stuff I think could play up at a major league level once his command gets better. Mm-hmm. But uh, let's move on to West Michigan, and I don't. Again, what is about West Michigan and Lansing getting together in the offense? Chris and I have talked about this numerous times. The offense just tends to just it just keeps going. They're now in a first place tie as they're also trying to make the postseason. But yeah, today's line on Flores was not really good. The, by the way, the West Michigan allowed 19 runs. It was a 19-9 loss today, and the, the line on Flores. Two two innings, or it finishes just almost two and one. Blah. Two and one one third inning. I can, I cannot talk this evening. Sorry, folks. <laughs> Seven hits, nine runs, one walk, one strikeout, and then the rest of the bullpen just kind of didn't really fall suit either. So, uh, it, it, by the way, Lansing was thirteen for twenty two <laughs> scoring position today. Thirteen for twenty two. Jesus. Yes. That's a thumping. <laughs> yeah, they got thumped. And this was, again, West Michigan, similar to, like, or excuse me, to Erie in terms of getting starting pitching help. They they could use all the help they can get on that. Um, Gage Workman had a good week. He's, he's on an eight-game 
on base streak. Um, still didn't has didn't draw one single walk. So struck out ten times. So that's something you want to look at. Jenkins had another good week, and same thing with Steph Stevenson. Some of the guys, there's some guys that are stepping in there, also with Luke Gold. They're not exactly household prospect names, but Luke Gold has picked it up pretty well in the place of J.C. Young and keeping West Michigan and in contention for a playoff spot. But pitching-wise, again, it's I feel like a, like a broken record with some of the pitching this week from West Michigan, but was there anybody that stood out to you at all, Jerry, in terms of uh, – I mean, you being closest to West Michigan, of course. Um, no, not really. It's okay. <laughs> yeah, David. What, <laughs> David, what about you? Uh, no, I was just looking at the Flores line, and it's it's disappointing. You know, it's someone it's, you you want to root for him, but that's you know that's a tough that's a tough way to come back. Yeah, Justin and Jackson Job, by the way, pitched earlier this week. Nine strikeouts. Six innings and, and six hits, and his stuff. Uh, Trevor Huth did a overlay on Twitter and looked really good. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, that slider with his fastball has just been able to. I think if there's one thing about I've came away from the Jackson Jobster is that more it's the command it's the command of the slider that keeps growing. Um, I really think he's been able to locate it pretty well, especially on left-handed hitters where it's just it, some of the diving action on it. Has been almost, I want to say not back foot, but he almost back doors it a little bit sometimes and on, on lefties. And then uh, Troy Melton had a decent week as well. But the big the big story is, to me at least, was Isaac Pacheco a little bit bat waking up seven for 23 this week. He had back to back triples on Saturday and Sunday, and he didn't strike out as much, but he struck out only seven times. So it seems like whatever it is in Lansing, he figures out. Not sure what it is about Lansing. It's just bizarre. But he had a good week. And as far as the rest of the off, like seven, Steph Stevenson is on six. He's got 68 stolen bases. So he'll probably hit 70 by the end of the week. I get a chance to talk to him tomorrow. Um, we're doing like a one, one or another interview series. And so we'll be able to talk to him. Ask a little bit more about that. But yeah, 78. I mean, the 70 steal, it just doesn't, it kind of stands out because you don't see. T- Players like that in the minor league steal that much anymore. I miss I miss the stolen game. I don't know what you guys think. Do you guys like stealing bases? I mean, do you like that the idea of putting that in strategy? Sure. I mean, uh, what's you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, if you get a single and you can turn it into a double, that's that's a good thing. That's something every team needs. Uh, you need speed at the major league level to win championships. You know, you need pinch runners, guys that can come in and can do that sort of thing. So, I you know, having a guy like that in the system. Uh, you know, th- there isn't a lot of speed uh, at every level and stuff like that. You know, I mean, Max Clark might be the fastest one down there, uh, you know, and it- it's you got to have at least one. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I'm, I mean, I'm in the same same thought there. Samuel wants to know, is it more badass feeling to hit a triple than uh, uh, obviously have the leg out or hitting a home run? I personally think legging out a triple is the I only hit. I think one legit triple in my entire life, and that felt great. I, or I'm sorry, I had more, a little more than that, but I don't. It, it felt because you were looking the entire time, and there that relay. If they don't get that relay, I mean, this is you know, this is of course high school, and it's not perfect, but 
I don't know. I, I always just like when I can get stand up on a, a legit triple and just go because you know home run you have a good idea, but triple is there's so many variables that are going on at once. If you're a guy that hits home runs all the time, I think the triple is probably more exciting. Um, if you're if you're a speedster that's able to put the ball in the gap all the time, but doesn't doesn't see a moonshot, I think that's how it goes. So it depends on what kind of bat you are, right? Like you got to know got to know your stature, got to know your you know your power guy, your contact guy, but. Uh, for me, I, I'm I, I'm like 250, 60 pounds plus. So if I got a triple, I'd be jumping for joy, and uh, that would be way more exciting. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah, I look at it this. When's the last time there's been more triples and home runs in a season? Right. It's, so for me, that that be, makes it far more exciting because it doesn't happen nearly as much. No one says the home runs the hardest part of the cycle. No, no. Yeah. <laughs> Especially because like all you need is a little bit of a win or a little help. Uh exactly to make that happen. Whereas a triple right. is you have to you have to uh, it, it, like for example in Comerica too. I mean if you get right in the left center gap right there, up that right there, you can get but it depends on the speed too. Like when I remember seeing Miguel Cabrera get a triple once. It's very <laughs> rare that he does, but it's almost like Yeah. Had to be a one and only. Yeah, one and only thing is like the earth move, almost moves in that. But you no, know, getting back to Pacheco's Ty Cobb mentions, he is getting hot at the right time because he has been struggling. Same thing with like same issue, similar to Santana where he was striking out a lot. But there's a again, there's a lot to like about Pacheco. Again, he's just he's a young guy. There's plenty of time. Just still adjusting the high A. So I'm not really worried about his progress this year. I don't look at him as a regression either at all. This is a guy. I, and you guys can, and, and David, from your experience, with high school bats, is it year three that's really more critical than year two, isn't it? I mean, well, the thing with like, yeah, I I believe so, um, because it takes a little bit of time. You know what I mean? It's it's you're talking about year two to three in high school or in in the pros. In the pros, I'm sorry, year three in the okay. pros. Like, yeah, when you start, it, it takes a little time for the, these guys because it's it's. I see, you know, I cover a lot of high school guys. So there are, uh, right, like Roman Anthony from Stoneman Douglas is a guy that I was able to see uh, at the Florida, you know, high school state championships uh, last year. And that's, it's not surprising to see him do what he can do because he was just, I don't know, he, he, he just had it above. But every high school player isn't that, you know what I mean? Even the Max Clarks of the world uh, go through these adjustment periods. So I do think that, uh, yeah, it's it's it, it's can they make it? I mean, you know that that high A to double A, you know, area is, is the most important uh, for me because it's it's there's different levels. Rookie ball, uh, I don't want to say it's not real baseball, but uh, I, I've heard as much in the press box before, so we'll just go with that. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, it, it's you know I think there's an adjustment period at at at, at low A, and then again at high, and then at double A, and then we all know what triple A is. It's just kind of a hodgepodge of things <laughs> it's guys guys and guys and people who need to wait a little bit i you know justin henry malloy's i apparently yeah apparently scott uh, it's i did you know what's interesting i did pick up on it was something that was told that triple a they're treating triple a this year as you're basically ready for the majors so unless so essentially if you're in triple a they they view you as you're this close to getting there and I don't you have to be you have to be a career minor leaguer or you have to be that close. I mean, it, it's you know, it's the waiting grounds. It's where you should we sh- if we don't have a spot for you, we will make one soon. Yeah, especially because 
a lot of fans, and rightfully so, were kind of frustrated with the Tyler Nevin call up because he's been up here. This is, I believe, this was his third or fourth time, right? And he hasn't done anything, so I, I can understand the frustration with the aspect of it. But I mean, he was hitting. They look at. They're going to ask down Toledo. Who should we call up? And if, if Nevin's the case, that's what it is. It's just. It's not like it's not what the fans want. It's what basically what the coach recommends. So, right. But yeah, it was good to see. But again, we get back to Pacheco. It was good to see him uh, bust out a little bit, especially after his struggles. Their next series is they're they're at home starting on Tuesday against Great Lakes. So everybody's off for tomorrow. So it's nice. Actually, it's really weird. Um, the Tigers. We're gonna get the Tigers here in a second because I do want to recap the Tigers, uh, beating the listless White Sox, and. <laughs> To come to, to no surprise, really. I mean, let's not put ourselves here. The White Sox are just, I think they're over this season. I mean, they've, yeah, actually, everybody's off tomorrow. Everybody's off tomorrow for Labor Day. No baseball hmm. Labor Day. Wow. I was surprised at that. Uh, and then the Tigers go to New York to take on the Yankees. But, yeah, sweeping. It, it, the one thing about the series against the White Sox, there was a, uh, McGee's forehead game. I don't know if you guys saw this. Um, he's past George Brett, 17th all time on Saturday. Um, but yeah, it's. I, I'm going to miss. This is. You have weeks left of Miggie, Miguel Cabrera, guys. It's, yeah, it's it's funny. It's like I I don't know that I remember. Uh, a Tigers because I'm I'm 27, so I started following the Tigers in like. 2006 and and he you know he's been there for most most of it so i I don't know the tigers without this guy uh and and it is getting sad man it's it's getting real it's it's at the beginning of the season it was kind of like yeah it's it's he's not going to be here next year but we got 162 games he's going to play some of them right and now we now we got a month now we got a month and uh, i was you know I'm, i'm down here in south florida so i came I went to every game of that uh, Miami series just to kind of soak it in, and it was awesome. It, w- it was great to see, and I'm actually going to be up in uh, Detroit at the uh, this week for, uh, and I'll be at a game on Saturday, I think. So yeah, anyone watching, come say hi. <laughs> awesome, yeah, I'm, I'm probably there this weekend too. He's the first. Pl- he's the. It was a record for the Tigers. So it was one guy by the name of Chuck Holster that um, was the last player to. Forty years old, forty years old, two hundred seventy days old, but not had four hits. So Miguel Cabrera this weekend with his four hit game had made the second. That was yeah, he made he was the second player to do that in Tigers history. <laughs> so that's a, I mean that's a obscure thing to think about, but uh, props to Jason Beck for finding that. That's a that's a really good one, but it's just I I didn't realize that record stood for so long. But then it dawned on me there's not a lot of Tigers. Outside of Al Kaline, I don't think a lot of players, right. Alan Trammell and Lou Whitaker, I think retired before the age of 40 here. So, I mean, they weren't even near those kind of, uh, like, just the kind of accomplishments that Trammell, or excuse me, that Cabrera's had. But still, Miguel Cabrera, yeah, I, I mean, the, the White Sox, I think they did a really good job of honoring him this weekend, too. But still, a win's a win, series win, Tigers move on. And uh, yeah, this is going to be a. They're twenty six and fifteen against the division this year. We'll take it. 
Yeah. We need something to cheer about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, oh yeah, the, the the other couple other news from two Riley Green placing the IL to elbow. Uh, he made a really good diving play, but the result of him is going back in the IL. And so there's that comes the question is, do you want that kind of risk out there high flying to make the great play? Because you know what? No, I, I, I'd rather him not end mm-hmm. up like Brian Buxton, who's on kind of right. game management. Yeah. When Riley was drafted, I, I talked to his dad um, and he assured me that, you know, Riley was going to play center field for the Tigers, you know, not just do the minors and stuff like that, but he was going to stay in center field. Uh, I, you know, I think everyone knew at some degree, you know, to some degree that he he was going to shift to a corner. Um, but I think that some of the traits that he picked up playing in center field, um, he's not the fastest guy in the world, you know, like, like let's face it, right? He, he Some of those diving plays that we see, um, he gets good jumps on and he's able to make it, right? That's that's good outfield, being a good outfielder, but a faster guy might be able to not lay out. So I think he's picked up a couple of bad habits and unsafe habits. So uh, he does, mm-hmm. he needs to adjust. Uh, he's, he, he's the future of this franchise, you know? I mean, the, he's going to get a big contract offer and hopefully he signs it, so... I think, you know, he needs to be he needs to protect himself because I know there's a desire to be the guy and, and do everything. But when you have, uh, you know, Meadows in center field running at like, you know, whatever they was tracked at, like 30 feet a second or something like that. It's, you know, it's let him do it. Not 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 you. So mm-hmm. uh, be safe. Protect yourself for sure. Yeah. Let him let him play in the corners. I mean, literally, I am. Look, look. Put Riley Green away from center field. Just if, if you have to, like I, I wouldn't mind him in right field. Uh, Jerry, I don't know about you, but like it's just you can't you can't just keep put him there. It's just it's something's gonna happen. Yeah, no, I I mean I completely agree, and I've had this conversation with a couple people. It, it's it's I would much rather have him in the corner so we can see him for 150 games a season than to see two three IL stints every year because he has feels that he has to do this magnificent catch. Like it just, it, it it's, it's going to hurt the team far more in the long run than just moving him over and, and just saying, you know what, this is it. This is what you're going to do. This is how you're going to help us the most going forward. It you got to imagine it helps him in the long run too, because as soon as he hits a free agency, it, assuming he does, teams might be less likely to give him that really long contract if they think he's going to be constantly getting injured. That's a good point. Yeah, no, you're right. And, and just kind of maybe sign a, perhaps an insurance deal or something like that. It's just, you're going to have to right, that contract. Right. Yeah. And it's, mm-hmm. yeah, and I don't, it, it will be interesting to see how they'll play center field or the outfield here going forward too. Cause Lipsius can also play some time out, out there can play the court like left field. And so, there and this is a good trial by fire for Parker Meadows uh, as well, and mm-hmm. get some more time in center field, and we'll be watching out for that. And maybe there's a call. Who knows? Maybe there'll be a call up in the next couple of days or so. I, I don't know. Um, I know that there was the or maybe Nevin gets sent back down. Who knows? It's uh, Toledo season's just about two weeks. Yeah, two weeks left. Um, but the here's a good question. Actually, we have a uh, yeah. Here's so. There's some suggestions here in the YouTube chat. Uh, Carpenter DH and Green to right field. I like that. That's pretty much a, I think, a foregone conclusion. And Samuel wanted to know, has the narrative around center field has drastically changed in the last five years? 
because I don't think the conversation around Austin Jackson and Curtis Granderson was the same. You guys have anything on that or in regards to what? I I talk about like just Samuel, are you talking so just when we're doing this on YouTube, is he you talking about defensively or are you talking about like uh, the offensive expectations? That's what I'm, I was kind of curious about on that question. I mean, yeah. if if you're referring to defensively, I think the biggest difference between those two and Riley Green is those two never or rarely got hurt. They were usually pretty healthy. I think they were both, uh, you know, a little bit more athletic too. You know, uh, at least yeah. Granderson. Mm-hmm. Granderson slowed down as he got older, but I think during his time on the Tigers, uh, you know, I mean, it's it, it's if we're talking about the unsafe thing. Uh, you know, maybe, you know, maybe safety is more of a priority these days. I think people have seen more and more careers get cut short, you know, but I, I don't think the, I don't think anything's really changed. You want a fast guy who can <laughs> field everything out there and who can hit reasonably well. You just want a solid player. I mean, it's uh, no, yeah, there's, yeah. Cause there was one thing that Austin Jackson never did. And I, I remember some fans actually gave him a lot of crap for not, and, and the, the people are mentioning it in here. They're not diving. I don't blame them. I mean, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. It's just a, to me, it's just like if if you're going to, yeah, and you want this closing speed. And uh, uh, Grell has mentioned this in here. They both were faster, less prone to diving. If you're you set yourself up for success out there, it doesn't you don't really have to make the dive. I mean, was Jim Evans? Jim Evans also the same thing. He somehow he avoided a lot of injuries too. I remember that. There was one thing that he made the great play in St. Louis where he was in Anaheim and somehow avoided injury. So, but on that note, uh, thank you so much for listening to the Tigers minor league recap. Again, for those who, if you missed out the beginning of the show, uh, Chris Brown is on hiatus for a little while. And so it will be myself and Jerry and whomever else wants to come in. David, thank you for your time sitting and uh, go ahead and plug your stuff. So where people can find you on Twitter or actually call it. Yeah, Twitter. I call it Twitter, so that's that's what I'm sticking with. But yeah, it's it's my name at David Rosenberg. Just make sure you put an extra G at the end because I I couldn't get it in time. Um, and yeah, that's pretty much it. I read my stuff at Bless You Boys. Uh, you know, I, I write there. I do some recaps and stuff like that. A lot of uh, minor league interviews and stuff like that. I talked to a Trey Cruz this year. I talked to Justice Bigby. Uh, he's he's a great kid. So um, maybe some Max Clark stuff will be coming soon. So yeah, check it out. And Jerry. Uh... Anything you want to come plug? You have data projects or uh, coming up or anything? Um, I don't know. I did have that him thing, the the him metric come out. So make sure you yes. guys uh, read the primary yeah, on that. Please, that was yeah, fun. I was say, talk about the him metric, Jerry. Talk about the creation of this. You should. Yeah. So it was it was completely and totally inspired by Spencer Torkelson especially at the beginning of the year where we were all going on about how hard he was hitting the ball, but we're seeing no results. So I wanted to try to get a single number to say they hit the ball hard and they're actually producing. So basically what it is, is I'm comparing the hard hit rate to the league hard hit hit rate. And then also the players ISO compared to the league's ISO to get this, this number that then can kind of give you a, a good idea of their actual production while hitting the ball hard. 
Yeah, no, it's great. It's, it's kind of fun, kind of neat. It's neat because it also it, it it shows some of the things that would matter to me at least. Like that whole Torkelson back and forth. Like, he's hitting the ball. He's hitting the ball hard. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, he's still not in runners in scoring position. It doesn't matter. <laughs> like some of it doesn't. Right. Yeah. Um. But like, yeah. So, on that note, thank you so much for listening. We appreciate it. Thank you for watching on YouTube, and. Like, there'll be a State of the Tigers article I'm working on. It's a it's a kind of a three part thing because I'm just going through all the minor league system, uh, team by team, and doing a level by level, and just kind of looking at the players, some of the underrated players, some of the players that popped out like Luke Gold um, or Justice Baby. Who's the biggest story? Um, we don't do minor league players of the year, pitcher of the year, but maybe it's something we might do in the future. Who knows? But uh, we'll be back next week. Week twenty two is. Almost the end. I can't believe it's the second week of September already. <laughs> Summer's gone by like stamp of the finger. So happy Labor Day! If you, I don't know what you do for Labor Day. If you guys have a barbecue or whatever people do on Labor Day, I just do it as another day off. You guys do anything for Labor Day? Writing about the Gators. Oh, there you go. Nope. <laughs> College football's already started. I'm just gonna. It didn't go well. Take Not it easy. Part. You guys just take it easy, Jerry. Yeah. Yeah, I'm. I'm probably going to, there's a couple things I got. Oh, I got pictures to edit from Friday. Um, yeah. So there's a lot of things. Friday was a good day. Friday was a very good day in terms of just going out there. It was a beautiful night out in Erie. And so again, all the hospitality, shout out to Greg for just doing his thing and, and taking care of everything. So I appreciate that. And also again, just go to their, go to the merch shop, buy their merch. I'll plug that because they've done a really good job of, uh, there's a lot of there's a abundance of special Turkleson shirts that they're trying to get rid of. So um, <laughs> they, were, they were talking about that the other day, and they were trying to like say it, it was like literally two shelves boxes worth. And their the merch sales person was just she was just like, "What am I do with this?" Like, all right, well maybe I'll plug it on the podcast. Maybe it might help. I don't know. Right? But imagine <laughs> having all these special Turkleson shirts. <laughs> yeah, like just yeah. So. But uh, on that note, we'll see you next week. Have a good weekend, guys. And, uh, oh, yeah, Samuel. Oh, awesome. You have have Labor Day in Canada, too. That's right. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Thanks, guys.